It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 67 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape with your garden, with whatever you want to do. Hey, we're here to help. 404-872-0750 is the number. Dial those digits and you will get an answer to your garden question, no matter what it is. Just give you a hard one. Give you a, give you an easy one. It doesn't matter. We'll get the question answered. One of the questions is, what do you have in the back seat of your car, Walter? Right now. Well, I'll tell you. But first, I want to say that, you know, in your life, you meet somebody who is known for many things. A woman, in this case, who was known for her good works, her good deeds, great gardener. But one thing that Molly Wilson was known for was her cheese muffins. I went to a garden club meeting one time where everybody was supposed to bring food to it. And Molly brought in a big old basket of her cheese muffins. And somebody sidled up to me and said, watch those muffins disappear. Sure enough, about five minutes after the whole thing started, after people started loading up their plates, there were no muffins left in the muffin basket because everybody got two, three, four muffins. They wanted to get their, their share before anybody else did. So, because I was a curious kind of guy, I wanted to be sure I <clears throat> had the recipe. I got Molly Wilson's cheese muffin recipe. And today, my siblings are all getting together for a little family get-together, and they asked, would I bring the cheese muffins again, as I have done for the last, I don't know, a couple, five years, maybe. So if you have a family get-together, and you want something to impress and wow the crowd, Go to my website, go to WalterReeves.com, and type in muffin. That's all you have to type in is muffin, and you'll get the recipe for Molly Wilson's cheese muffin. It's basically just fried cheese. Nothing wrong with that. Fried cheese, some flour, some butter, some sour cream. Oh, man, are they good. And the recommendation, my recipe makes about 48, and somebody who made the recipe was asked, how many should you make for your, for your group? She said, four times as many as you have people coming. All right, so we got 15 people coming. I have 60 in there. We're fine. We're scared. We're ready. Speaking of good women, good works, and uh, people that do good things and are known for one thing, that would be my mother, of course, Frances Reeves. Frances was known for being involved in the politics of Fayette County, involved in teaching, involved in World Book Encyclopedia selling. My mom was involved in a lot of things. But one thing that she was known for, at least in our family, was muscadine hull pie. <laughs> she didn't make it up. No, she got it from somewhere else. I'm not sure exactly where she would have gotten something like that, but she was a woman who was frugal. And she knew that every year when we had our muscadines come in, in August, that there was a lot of muscadine skins, the hull of the muscadine grape, that would be spit and thrown away. She thought, now, surely there's something we can do with that. And so my mom found this recipe for muscadine hull pie. We collected the shells of the skins of our muscadine. We uh, gave them to her. She boiled them for a while, put some lemon juice and sugar in there and other things that made the 
filling of the pie delicious, put it into a whole wheat flour crust, baked it, put ice cream on top. It had to be vanilla ice cream, I'm sure. Vanilla ice cream on top. We enjoyed it. It was delicious. And everybody who's had it before, before I've told them what it is, has enjoyed it. And when I tell them what it is and how it was collected back when I was a kid, they all say, these uh, muscadine hull pie. You can get it on my, yeah, you can. You can get it on my website, WalterReeves.com. Type in muscadine hull pie or hull or somewhere like that. You'll get to it. Again, our number, 404-872-0750. We go to the phones first. Our friend Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hi, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. Have you ever had muscadine whole pie? No, I was thinking the muscadine arch is very tough. Yeah. She was doing it. Yeah, well, you just sort of squeeze the insides out and collect the skins. And when you have enough, you boil them and season them, and there you go. Oh, my mother was the same way because there was 12 of us. We yeah, could yeah. not afford to throw anything away. Oh, God almighty. Did she have any weird recipes, Nicole, that you remember your mom would make that uh, only your family knew and appreciated? Well, <laughs> in the morning, because uh, life was uh, really fast in the morning. Yeah. We had crepe as a... And mixed with uh, flour and eggs, and uh, and we put it in fry on the on the on the stove yeah. with uh, any kind of jelly. Or, but this is like in the south, you have grits in the morning. But us in Canada, we had this because it's fast, it's cheap, and uh, everybody lo- love it. And since this day, some of my older sister, that's what they eat early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> they have that habit of of uh, eating only one thing and they've done it the whole life, and so that's what they're going to eat. I ate uh, oatmeal. My mother was, as I said, very frugal, and oatmeal was the cheapest and easiest thing for her to fix for five kids going to school. And so we ate a bowl of oatmeal every morning until I was 18 years old. I did. And then I couldn't get out of this sort of cereal habit. So every morning for the last 50 or so years, I've eaten uh, a bowl of grain, you know, whole grain cereal. That's just what I eat for breakfast. Um, I went to the garden this week, Mr. Yeah, Reed, yeah. and they have an event on Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4. This and is in Griffin. This is in Griffin for our listeners who don't know what, what garden Nicole refers to. This is the experimental uh, display garden in Griffin at the experiment station um, field, I guess, across the, across the highway from the station itself. So what's going to happen Sunday? Well, I couldn't tell you all the vendor, but uh, Calway Garden's going to be okay, there, yeah, yeah. and so if they're there, that's it's a big deal, you know. Yeah. But I went to see those big ginger. Oh God Almighty! They're great big, they're huge. <gasps> yes, and they're going to bloom uh, around fall time, I guess. Big old bloom, like uh, oh, I just never see. But they come back every year, and they spread. Are these the white gingers or the colored pine cone gingers? Pine cone is just just amazing to see. Yeah. Uh, I want some in my garden, but um, they still experiment on them if they don't spread too much. You yeah, know? yeah. I've got some white butterfly ginger. It's called that I got from Cuba. Actually, I didn't get it from Cuba. We saw in Cuba that the butterfly ginger white flower ginger is a is I think the national flower of Cuba. 
And so one of my friends who went on that garden tour said, you know, I have some of that same ginger at my house. I'll bring you some. And she did. And just like you said, Nicole, it spreads. The white ginger that I have spreads. It's, it's probably 20 plants now. It started from two. Oh, God. So you got to have a little room. Yeah, well, I, you know, I try to keep it chopped down when it gets too far away. I take my little chopper and go out there and chop the roots out because I can't let it spread into the other things I have around it. Mr. Reeve, I huh. want to tell you about chop. Tell me. I hire a new person to cut my grass. Yeah, and? I have mounted of dirt in the front yard. Yeah. I was so disappointed I couldn't go and see it for two days because <laughs> I, was, I was not here when he done it. Because he didn't do it right. Too low? Oh, man. See, that's the thing. People think that it helps your lawn or it keeps you from having to mow so often by mowing the grass really low. It's the dumbest thing you can do because it just hurts the grass. It harms the grass. It slows the grass down. It makes it more disease uh, susceptible. It makes it more susceptible to sunburn. You didn't know that grass could be sunburned, but it can be. And mowing too low is just a bad, bad thing to do for lawns. And I was not here to damage control because I could have put a little water on this, you know, to try to save it. I was just so disappointed. And we paid them good money, Mr. Reed. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, I hope you don't pay them anymore. Or if you do pay them, you instruct them on your knowledge of how high to mow a lawn because it does not need to be really low. You have every grass at its own height. Generally, for Bermuda grass, it's around an inch, inch and a half maybe. For a fescue, it's up to three inches. So it just depends on what grass you have. Oh, boy, he's not going to put a finger in my driveway. <laughs> Nicole has spoken. He is not going to come back. Nicole, I see the clock, and we've got to get out of here. But it's great to talk to you once again. And you go and make yourself a crate for breakfast this morning. Enjoy it. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Nicole's place. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. In the wee small hours of the morning While the whole wide world is fast asleep You lie small hours of the morning, but it's pretty close. I can see the wee small hours from here. This quick, quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Partly cloudy, high of 87, 88 degrees, low of 64 to 67 tonight. Tomorrow, just about the same. Still a warm day. Mid-80s, mid to high 80s, and 64 to 67 overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's see, here we got uh, J.D., my friend J.D. down in College Park, Georgia. Hey, J.D., good morning. Good morning, Walker. How are you, sir? Doing fine. What's going on, J.D.? Please help me on my tomatoes. Yes, sir. Uh, Tomato plants are now about two feet tall. It's got little blah blooms on them. And uh, at first, I noticed they're beautifully yellow. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they turn brown. They did not get pollinated. That's what happened? Yep. Yeah. And if I lightly touch it, it just fall off. Oh, that hurts me so you bad. You need to thump them, J.D. Thump them. <laughs> we need a thumper to go in. What do I do that? What, 
What do you mean? Just well, basically, when when you see the yellow flower come, when you see it's nice and full and opened up fully, it is ready to be pollinated. And tomatoes have a what's called a perfect flower, meaning they have the male and female parts in the same flower. So all your job is is somehow, or nature's job, somehow to get the pollen from the male part over to the female part inside that little bitty yellow flower. And so either that happens by an insect maybe visiting it, that can happen mostly just fine, or J.D. goes out with a little stick or his middle finger and goes thump, 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 real lightly, not hard at all, just thump, 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 and thump all the clusters of flowers on the tomato plant the pollen will jump off the male part, will go to the female part, pollination happens, and the flower develops into a little bitty tomato, and J.D. is happy. He knows he has done what it needs to be done. So I'm something just to do a little, uh, a little blossom, a bloom? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little cluster. It doesn't have to be each individual bloom, just nearby on the stem nearby. And again, oh, you can yeah. use a pencil or a chopstick or your finger real lightly. Just thump, 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 thump. Do it once or twice maybe a day for a little while. And uh, it'll it'll get piled over there, and you'll have tomatoes. Well, I'm going out there and do it right now, Walter. So <laughs> I don't know. Can you do it in the dark? I don't know, J.D. You may not be able to see anything out there. Is anything else going on, J.D., as far as tomatoes? Last year you had tomatoes, and did they do all right last year? Oh, it's so so so. I should have called you last year. Yeah, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. I got mine looking pretty good. I cheated this year and bought some at, at uh, Pike. When they had them on sale, and they already had little tomatoes on them. Well, that was great. Oh, <laughs> I man, already got the tomatoes on there. <laughs> so mine are not quite as big as a tennis ball, but they're getting close. They're still green, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, if the squirrels don't eat them, I will have, I will have some um, tomatoes myself this year. Maybe. Maybe. We'll All see. Right. Good. All right, then. Well, you have a good one. Thank you so much. You too, J.D. We'll see you soon. Thanks for calling. By the way, one of the things that this year I'm going to be really, really good about is when I see my tomatoes having little yellow spots on the lower leaves, I'm going to be quick and Johnny on the spot and pick those leaves off because that is the first sign of a disease called early blight. And early blight is very common on tomatoes. It's in the soil is where the fungus comes from. And so when the fungus first jumps up from the soil during a rainfall or irrigation or something, when it jumps onto that lower leaf, then it can go from the lower part of the tomato plant all the way up to the top. And every time it infects a leaf, that leaf will eventually fall off after it is sporulated and infected all the other leaves nearby. So I'm going to do my best to get those infected leaves off of my tomatoes before they have a chance to infect the rest of them. we got several great calls coming up. Joe in Houston, in Houston, I should say, wants to talk about heirloom tomatoes and how to Keep them short. Ray in Powder Springs has slugs that are taking over his garden. Charlie down in Florida wants to know the best time to air root a shrub. Gerald in Atlanta wants to brag about his Casablanca lilies. You can join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves. The Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful with whatever you want to do. You make the decision. I help you get there. We'll go to the phones real quickly this morning. Got a lot of calls coming in. Ray in Powder Springs is the first one online. Hey, Ray, good morning. 
All right, jump off. Ray forgot and put that button on the wrong way there. So let's go to Charlie down in Florida. Hey, Charlie, good morning. How you doing up there? Doing fine up here in Georgia, Charlie. How are you doing? It's getting hot down here. And uh, uh, well, I was calling up, tried the air root method before, and yeah. I want to do it again on the plants it took and I brought down here with me. Yeah. But these gardenias can bloom twice a year mm-hmm. or seem to. So I'm just wondering, when is the optimal time to air root down here? Do you have any good clues? Yeah, the main thing to worry about is heat during the summertime. Because let me describe what we're talking about here for our listeners who don't know quite what air rooting is. When you try to propagate a shrub, it can be gardenia, rose, azalea, lots and lots of different shrubs can be air rooted. But the technique is you leave a limb, leave a, a small branch on the plant, but you wound it. You wound it a little bit, a little ring around the bark of the plant, about six to eight inches below the tip. And into that wound, you put some rooting hormone powder, and you wrap that with real damp sphagnum moss, wrap that with some plastic wrap, which keeps it from evaporating, getting dry, and you wrap oh. that with aluminum foil, and the aluminum foil keeps it from getting real light inside. You need darkness, you need dampness, you need a little rooting hormone on the wound. And you leave it in place for, depends on the plant, but a month to six months, and the roots form inside there. And then you cut it off with the mother plant, put it in the ground, and away we go. So Charlie is asking, when's the right time to do that? And in Florida, the big question is, how hot does it get in the summertime on that shrub? And so, Charlie, you choose the side of the shrub that's away from the sun. So choose the north side of the plant to do the air layering on. Or Uh if you don't have a side that you can access or don't have a limb that looks quite right to do the air layering on it, then you try to get into the interior of the plant so there is some shade on the wrapped bundle that you have around the limb. Uh Beyond that, you know, you've got a long growing season in Florida, so... You started, I would think, in March and go all the way to October, probably. Okay. Can I brag about my pineapple? All right. Brag on your pineapple, Charlie. What do you <laughs> well, got? Well, I got me two that are actual pineapples. They're about four inches tall right now with the little, uh, well, I guess they're about six inches tall all together yeah. with the little pineapple top. But on the big bush <laughs> itself, there's these little nodules, and they tell me down here that you can plant those. Yeah. And, and Okay, so... If I don't cut them off, will it still make a pineapple on that same plant? If you don't cut what off? Those little nodules. Yeah. They're coming up on the side of the plant, you right, know? Right, right, little babies on there. And you can take yeah. those off, and that's normally what happens anyway, because when a pineapple has flowered, when it's made the pineapple fruit, the mother plant dies off, and the little nodules, the little babies around the sides become the, the babies, and they develop into mature plants, and they can be taken oh. off, as you say, and transplanted to make more pineapples. Uh-huh. So, so, the whole, so once I get the big pineapple off, that plant dies. It's huh? going to be gone. D-E-A-D, uh-huh. dead. That's what bromeliads is a class of plants do. Once they have flowered, then the mother plant dies, the babies take over. Yeah, I've not got anybody down here to, to tell me that. They just say just to cut the plant off and it'll keep going. And I'm saying, well, uh, okay. I, I better call somebody that knows. <laughs> <laughs> Take I the little babies off, know. transplant them, and then enjoy that little pineapple, Charlie. Call us when you harvest your pineapple. I want to hear what it tastes like. Okay. All right. And uh, my tomatoes are in a container, and I'm getting that stuff on the bottom leaves. 
Yeah, well, you better control it. Either, either be picking them off or spray with a little fungicide that you keep the disease at bay with Dacanil or one of the fungicides to keep the disease from spreading up the plant. Be careful. That's a that's a killer if you let it get ahead of you. Yeah. All right, I'll let you know how them pineapples turn right. out. Let me know, Charlie. Thanks for calling. We'll see you soon, Charlie. Gerald in Atlanta. He wants to brag on his plants, too. What have you got, Gerald? Morning, Walter. Hey, morning. Uh, listen, Walter, first of all, I want to remind you that you were one of my master gardener teachers uh, about <laughs> 10 years ago. Many, many master years gardener ago. class out in DeKalb County. You had a nickname for me. I won't mention that nickname on the air this morning. <laughs> right. I like the nickname very much. Walter, I planted three Casablanca bulbs in a one-by-one pot about three years ago. Um, They came up fine. They bloomed fine last year. But this year, Walter, I got like seven stalks to over four feet tall. Ooh, nice. But one of them, Walter, is six feet nine inches tall. They are not small. Casablanca lilies are big, big, big guys. Yeah, six feet would be about right. It's like a Casablanca tree. <laughs> I mean, most men I know are not that tall. Yeah, well, there you have it. It's going to be a nice big flower, and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to brag on it to all your friends and neighbors, and me too. But I'll probably have a party, Ross, because it's, it's covered with blooms. It's covered with blooms. I mean, the one six feet nine inches tall is yeah. covered with blooms. So what, what, here's what I want to know, Walter. I'm going to transplant this plant into the ground yeah. in the fall because yeah. it's just gotten too big for this pot now. When I transplant it into the ground, to the new bed, do I need to separate it or just put it in the ground intact and let them spread on their own? You can separate it. When you take it out of the pot, more than likely you'll see little offsets at the bottom. There'll be a little bitty, either the scales themselves or scales on the side of the bulb, either they will have a little bit of green that started to grow on the side. You can sort of uh, pull them off is the best way to do it. Just pull it off with your thumb. Or there'll be little bulblets at the very base of the bulb. You could pull those off with your fingers, too. But any, okay. in any case, those things that you see on the sides of the mother bulb or the bottom uh-huh. of the mother bulb, they can be uh-huh. pulled off, transplanted, and they will bloom in a couple of years. Well, that's fine. I, I want to make a lily bed, actually. So I just want to put them in the ground. I don't know if I need yeah. to transplant them. I don't know if I need to... Break them up or keep them together, but you say break them up. Break them up would be better, and then you'll be, you know, Casablanca Gerald. I'm, I'm Casablanca Gerald already. <laughs> well, the, uh, oh, no, last year, last year um, some ants started crawling on my, when, they, when the bloom started to bloom, yeah. a big line of ants came on the on the, um, on the plant. Because they have nectar in the flowers, and that sure yeah, well, nectar year, that ants want. Well, this year, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have that at all. That's your ant. I'm gonna get rid of those ants. How do they get rid of them? That's pretty. It sucks out of soap. That's pretty with Dawn dishwashing detergent. What I spray them with? You know, I never like to recommend anything that's not labeled for the use that it's intended. So not Dawn. Um, one way that one fellow that has been pretty successful with squash is he puts Vaseline on the stem of his squash plant to keep the squash oh, really? vine borer from attacking his squash vine, his squash uh-huh. plant. Another guy put Vaseline on his okra plant for the same thing, to keep ants from crawling up the stem and getting into his okra, okra flowers. Really? So uh, I don't see why you wouldn't try a little Vaseline at the bottom of the of the lily, or maybe one of the ant baits. You know, there's several kind of ant okay, baits. Okay, that Vaseline sounds fine to me. That sounds fine. Yeah, put okay. a put a pot on its side so it doesn't get rained on. Put the bait thing inside there at the base of the lily. Let the let the ants have a meal, and they'll poison them. So this is not unusual. That my Casablanca lily is six feet nine inches tall, huh? 
Gerald, I think it's the best thing I've ever seen in Atlanta, the best thing I've ever heard of in Atlanta. I want you to know that you're the biggest Casablanca <laughs> lily that's ever been in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Okay, well, I just, I just thought, well, I mean, I can't believe how tall this lily is, and it's really still not, not finished growing. It's well, still got more growing to do. Let us know. Give me, a, give me an update in a month or so. Let me know what happens. I would definitely do that. Thank you a lot, Walter. Gerald, Have a good day. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Casablanca Gerald. There he is. 404-872-0750. In case you to take Gerald's place, we got Joseph up in Houston, Georgia. Hey, Joseph. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, everyone. Hey, um, okay, I have some heirloom tomatoes, okay? Yeah. Got them from Pikes. And, okay, I'm, they're indeterminate, so I know they're going to grow tall. Yeah, big guys. Okay? Yeah, is there a way, once they get look, five, six feet tall, that I can prune the tops without it shutting off their growth? Because I, I want yeah. all the volume that I can get as far as you know the but plant. But you don't want it to uh, be 12 feet in the air. You don't have to have a stepladder out there to harvest the tomatoes from. Right. Yeah, you can, Joseph. When it's got to six or six or so feet, whatever you think is the right height for it, just pinch the growing tip out and branches below that point will start growing too. They, the tomato wants to grow, but pinching the top out is going to allow the side branches to develop. They can be wrapped around the cage or around something adjacent to the cage so that you still have a way to harvest tomatoes. But you can pinch the top out once it's got that high. You would not do it when it's young. If you do it when it's young, you end up with a sort of a, a stunted tomato that doesn't produce many fruit. But when they're, when they're tall enough, they've had several layers of flowers, you know, on the, on the vine itself. Yeah, right. pinch out the top, let some lower limbs take over. You'll have some new growth that'll try to go around where you pinched, and you can either pinch that off or bend it over when it's young and let it go on the cage too. Okay. Um, I've noticed on a couple of the plants where I've uh, gone and, and picked it off, yeah. uh, it's kind of like a purple cast that's on the leaves. Kind of like a, mm, like a dark yeah, cast. Sometimes it has to do with uh, mineral deficiencies, with nutrient deficiencies. Is it every leaf or just one or two or what? Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's like, it was just on like one, one of the branches. You know, with the, with all the leaves. Generally so speaking, I'd say don't worry too much about it until it's all the leaves on the plant. Okay. Um, I, I use moralgonite. Moralgonite, um, yeah. Yeah, when I, when I planted. Um, and they are, I guess, maybe uh, maybe 10 inches tall now. Yeah. I didn't know how soon uh, after putting them in the ground and having the roots established that I could be able to go and apply some, like, miracle growth. You know, I would think as soon as you see new growth, when you have new growth on the tomato, it tells me that it is established, it's got some root growth, and it's ready to grow some more. So I would keep okay. an eye on the tips or on the ends of branches that have the growing tips, and when they start elongating, you know that they're longer than they were yesterday or the day before, that's when you put new fertilizer on. Outstanding. Thank you so much. I really do enjoy your show. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. Good luck with the with the project there, growing your tomatoes. I hope you do sell a lot of tomatoes and I understand from uh, DeMarco that you're selling tomatoes for your son. I hope that works out real well for you. At 647 at News Talk WSB, a reminder, tomorrow Sunday is the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Credible, compelling, complete, and $300 worth of coupons in the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you subscribe for the whole week, you also get Thursday the garden column written by yours truly, Walter Reeves, 
little garden nuggets on Thursdays, every Thursday in the living section of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Right now, it's 647 and one half. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24 hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9 for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Back row of the driving show in the flickering light. Popcorn and cokes beneath the stars. Became champagne and caviar. Making love on a long hot summer's night. And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, the high of 77, 88 degrees, low of 64 tonight. Tomorrow, a little bit warmer, 88 degrees is the high and the low of 67 tomorrow night. The full weekend forecast comes up in well, about 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Peggy is out in Noonan, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Peggy, good morning. How are you doing? Good. I'm great, Walter. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How can I help? So I have um, Bermuda lawn, and I have some, like, bare spaces. Yeah. No dead grass, just, you know, red clay. Okay. Um, Thanks to a puppy I had last year. And um, I didn't know if it was best, and they're about the size of a dinner plate, to do, like, a mixture of maybe dirt and sand to see Mm. if the, the rest of it around it will grow over it or if I should just put some pieces of sod. Uh, dirt and sand is always a good thing because it helps to aerate the soil, If it, particularly if you mix it in lower into the clay subsoil that you have there. Don't just, don't just put a layer of dirt and sand on top of the clay without mixing them in somehow. It would be nice if the soft layer of soil was about four to maybe even six inches deep so that the roots of anything you plant, anything that comes in from the sides or sod that you put down, can root down deeply as quickly as it, as it wants to. And you can do it either way, Peggy. If you got sod that you want to just lay on top of your, your dirt, sand, clay mixture, that's fine. If you want to take little plugs from the Bermuda that's overrun a sidewalk or over the driveway or a place from the corner that you can pick up a plug there, that's fine, too, to put it into the spot and let it spread in from the sides and from the middle go outwards. That'd be fine as well, depending on the size of the hole, I guess. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're not that big, but they're big enough to, you know, not make it. Um, you know, even. Yeah, right. So again, sod fine, but I think mixing the mixing the sand and, and dirt layer into the clay underneath will really be the thing that makes the sod or the plugs take off. They need to have soft soil to expand into. Okay, great. Fabulous. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Well, I don't know about that, but occasionally I have an answer for a question. 404 is the number. And we got time for Ron here. Hey, Ron, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hi. Hey, Walter, how you doing? Good, fine. So what's up, Ron? Hey, I've got a, a pumpkin vine, and when the pumpkins get to be uh, about the size of a ping-pong ball, they just they just fall off. Yeah. I want every lister who's growing a cucumber, squash, watermelon, or pumpkin to listen to what I'm about to say because it will apply to you just as much as it does to Ron. Here's what's going on, Ron. That first flower that comes on the vine, in fact, lots of the first flowers that come on the vine are all male 
flowers. They only have the pollen-producing part of a flower there. And only after about uh, two or three weeks will you start having female flowers, which can receive the pollen and be pollinated. And the way you tell the difference is the male flowers are just going to be a little green stem and a flower at the end. The female flowers, when they occur, are going to have a stem, a little bitty pumpkin, a little bitty squash, a little bitty cucumber, watermelon, and then the flower comes on after that at the tip of the stem. So what you have now, if you want to go out and look, you can see that all the flowers you have are very likely male flowers or flowers that did not get pollinated. And you just wait until the female and the male are there at the same time. If you want to take a, a Q-tip or a little paintbrush or something, you go into the into the uh, male flowers and transfer pollen over to the female flowers, and that will then accomplish pollination, and they won't stop at a ping-pong ball size. It'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. Pretty soon okay. you can put a princess in there and take her to the ball. <laughs> I appreciate it, Walter. Uh, you bet, Ron. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750. My number Gail Dunway is going to be here just a minute to talk about her monkey grass. She's tired of it. She wants to get rid of it. If you have a question, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. <laughs> 